Zara, I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor. It's the new film, Challenges. It's from the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, and stars and is produced by none other than our girl Zendaya. Yeah, you know I love her. You love her too. I love her so much. Zendaya plays Tashi Duncan, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a Grand Slam champion, currently on a losing streak. And if that's not bad enough, Tashi's strategy to help her husband break his curse sort of takes a surprising and awkward turn. Hmm, awkward indeed. Because now he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. Zara, the tensions are running high. I know. Tashi's someone who makes no apologies for her game on and off the court. It's her game, her rules, but with her past and present colliding, Tashi must face reality and ask herself, what will it cost to win? Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you. You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th. So grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to Challenges for making this episode of Shameless Possible. Welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined, as sort of always, <laughs> by Melvin Riders, me, Zara McDonald, and you, Annabelle Lee. And me, hello. And as the third person today, we are joined by Shameless Media's content coordinator, Sahani Gunatilka. Hello, hello, Sahani. Guys, it's so good to be here. It's our last episode until we go on break, and we have so much to unpack. So on today's show... The Barbie marketing campaign is well and truly amping up and it's all we can talk about in the shameless office. Why is Blake Lively facing backlash over the release of her new Betty Booze cocktails? What's going on with all these rumours that Kyle Richards and her marriage might be over? The two (laughs) big Housewives fans will weigh in. (laughs) And then we unpack the most perfectly timed mailbag. Is it okay to not want to sell your Taylor Swift tickets to someone you don't deem big oh. enough a fan. I can't wait to talk about that. The we question knew, of all questions. We knew when it dropped in the inbox, we had to talk about it. But first, Annabelle, how was your week? My week has been great. It's so <laughs> weird answering this question. My week has been great. Michelle is obviously away. Hope you're having the best time, Mish. She's definitely not listening either. <laughs> I was also about to call her Mishy Moo, which is like my office nickname for her, but then I'm exposing. I've been trying it on recently as well, Mishy Moo. No, she's off in Greece. We are very happy for her. She looks like she's having the best time. We are happy to be here. <laughs> it's dark outside. We're recording quite early. It is quite early in the morning. But we're ready. We've got so much to talk about. Do you have a recommendation for me? I do. So a couple of days ago, I started watching Swarm on Amazon Prime. You may have seen this around on TikTok. My TikTok feed is filled always with movie and TV reviews. So I've seen this around for a while and I've put it to the side because I don't usually gravitate towards like horror, psychological thriller type 
content, but alas. <laughs> no, you don't. So I am surprised by this. I went for it. Well, it is co-created by Donald Glover, who we love. Oh, I have heard about it. Yes. And he actually directed the first episode, which has been like kind of heralded as a really brilliant episode. The premise was what drew me in. It's essentially about this woman who, as the episodes go on, gets more and more unhinged I guess is the only way to put it with her adoration for this famous pop star Mm. this really tragic thing happens in her life at the beginning of the first episode and then as the episodes go on shit goes down right and it's quite violent you would say (laughs) it gets gory so Zara I know you don't like this stuff I don't think you should watch it okay so (laughs) So it's like a recommendation but not a recommendation to me it's a recommendation for the people for the people Mm. but do be aware there is a bit of gore I do really struggle with gore I actually struggle with anything that's even mildly stressful on my tv screen I think it needs to be unpacked I will say it's not like a one note horror show there are surprisingly elements of like humor and satire the main actress Dominique Fishback who plays Dre she has this really incredible way of like going for a really violent dramatic scene but then also like smirking a little to the side and the audience are like are we supposed to be laughing with you like it's really messed up are we on your side yeah it's really great Billie Eilish is in it okay I've not finished yet (laughs) she's not in it yet (laughs) it's on Google Images (laughs) no I've been watching Sahani like scroll endlessly down her Google Images as she sits next to me that's amazing yeah so Paris Jackson is also in it she guest stars I think it's like every episode there's a new fresh guest star and it's like exciting because you're like hey I know that face cool yeah anyway Zara how was your week any recommendations I have had a good week look I am um, heading on holidays in two days and (laughs) funnily enough you get to that point where you're really close to holidays where they've actually never felt further away like they felt closer last week I felt more excited last week and now this week I'm like it just doesn't feel real it's also because you have a lot more to do I'd say in the final week before you go away I think when you're making a mental list of everything you need to get through you're like oh I've got to get through a few hurdles before I'm there but I am really excited I am going to Italy on Friday so I'm gearing up we will of course be off for the next three weeks after this episode we probably should flag that now mm-hmm. I do have a recommendation I feel kind of bad because this is an unoriginal recommendation I have to credit Cassie in our team for this one she recommended it in our weekly rec wrap on Instagram and I was like this sounds like it's for me <laughs> it is the Jonas Brothers on armchair expert <laughs> I need to listen to this so I was never a Joe bro I was a Joe bro friend I Joe bro <laughs> <laughs> it's a real time it's- I was a huge fan of theirs. I used to watch their Disney show growing up. Yeah, I think it's because I didn't watch them. I didn't know much about them. I listened to them on Armchair Expert. And one piece of advice Cassie gave when she recommended it is that it can be hard to tell their voices apart, particularly if you don't know them super well. I couldn't tell them apart all the time, but I actually don't think it mattered. They actually seem like nice guys. Yeah, like they were raised, right? Which is a weird thing to say. (laughs) It's a weird thing to say about kids who were... In the spotlight at quite a young age, but I do think they were raised right. Do you know what it was for me? They, I think Nick Jonas told this story of how they still have the same drummer 15 years on. And I kind of think if you're able to still have the same drummer 15 years on, you must treat most people all right. You're so right. And also the fact that when they tour now, Joe Jonas, who had his band DNCE when they broke up. Oh, yeah. I, I fucking love this band. <laughs> yeah, I know. He still brings like his old band members from DNCE to perform with the brothers. So oh, like, they're all a big family oh, now. No, they seemed really nice. I learned a lot about how they also functioned as a family business. They spoke a little bit about, you know, what it was like to break up and who was the first person to raise that. I think we can probably guess who. Do we Nick? know? 
Nick. Yeah. yeah. Nick was the one that wanted out first and how that was really hard for a lot of them. So boy band drama, but also how they've managed to actually come back. Like they are definitely on my radar. And I feel like that's a really impressive thing to be child stars, to create this band, to split up, to reunite and to be back on people's radars is very impressive. For sure. But it's funny. I was about to make a joke like, oh, yeah, because they're constantly reinventing themselves. I actually don't think they have. No, they I haven't think at all. Still pretty similar to how they were. <laughs> also, Taylor Swift says that's just exclusive to just for women. female <laughs> yeah. stars. No, they haven't at all. They've just got better fashion sense. I've seen people on TikTok come after their stylist because they don't like what they're wearing on stage. But I think they're kind of hot on stage. I definitely think they're like hot. Joe Jonas in his leather pants. Yeah. And if they come to Australia for a concert, I would definitely be buying tickets. I will definitely be queuing as I was. With Taylor tickets, but hey, we'll get there. We'll get, we there. get there later in the show. Let's start with a big, quick and dirty to kick off the show because there's so much to talk about. As you guys know, every week we bring you the top five stories of the rough and tumble of the celebrity and pop culture news cycle. Annabelle, <laughs> Joe Bro, Joe Bro, Lee. Do you want to kick us off with the first story? Of course. Our first story. A pink, glittery, existential dance party. Barbie movie marketing machine kicks off global tour. That is from The Guardian. So Barbie mania is officially in full swing. Like full, 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 full swing. swing. The fullest swings of <laughs> any swing I have ever seen. Well, genuinely. And I know that our listeners might think, well, we have spoken about the Barbie marketing campaign mm-hmm. over the last couple of months. In fact, we had a conversation on Mike about how we thought maybe the Barbie marketing campaign was starting too early. And we were like wondering if it had enough steam in it. Um, Let the record show. It's certainly sustaining itself. It didn't start too early, but I do have to say it's very rare that you see a campaign start this early and for it to gradually build hype rather than kind of fizzle. Yeah, it turns out this campaign has unlimited steam. It's never ending. So you will have likely seen the cast of Barbie in Sydney's Pitt Street Mall last Friday. Also a shout out to Margot Robbie's very iconic pink Barbie-esque outfits she wore every day or like in different sections of the day she got changed and every outfit was as iconic as the last. Sahani posted a carousel on our Instagram feed this week of a lot of the Mm. outfits that Margot's been wearing as Barbie and was the caption something about getting out of the prison of never serving? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it also has so many likes. That's also, I know Michelle will always be like, one of our most liked posts ever. One of our most liked posts ever. Yeah. So people are really supporting this. People love to see a girl boss win. <laughs> oh my so, God. <laughs> Sydney was the first leg actually of their worldwide publicity tour, which perfectly accompanied their very extensive marketing campaign. As we've said, a campaign we cannot stop talking about in this office. May I lay out for you exactly what they've done in this campaign from the beginning when we thought it was very early to around about now. Yes, because there's more than I ever thought possible. Yes. So it all started with the initial social media buzz. I don't know if you remember, but there were those extremely clear pap shots of Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling in those fluoro outfits rollerblading on the streets. I remember Margot saying in an interview that she didn't know that she was being photographed. I remember that too. And she said it was kind of embarrassing and she didn't realise the paps were down there. I do think there's a chance it could have been a coincidence, but I would say my hunch is that it was not. Yes, I call Liza Then the cast posters were released, introducing us all to each Barbie in each film, like President Barbie, Diplomat Barbie, you name Mm. it, as well as just the Kens. 
These posters were then turned into templates for people to insert their own faces on for social media. Our, our residents, <laughs> Honey did that. I remember very clearly. I did. <laughs> so people also memified this with celebrity faces and characters like Roman Roy. Do you remember this? Yeah. So it started all over social media and it was just like a really small, subtle thing to get people to kind of, I don't know, put themselves in the Barbie universe. Yeah. And then it got, I would say, a bit sexier mm-hmm. with great respect to anyone who inserted their well, face. Okay. <laughs> so no, Warner Brothers hosted a Barbie boat cruise in June. Barbie maker and toy company Mattel announced a hundred new brand collaborations, including one with Xbox to create Barbie themed consoles. And the Barbie film set was featured on Architectural Digest. Margot Robbie was taking the team through the set. Yes. And then it was announced that the Barbie movie would be partnering with Airbnb to give away a free stay in a Malibu Barbie dream house in Malibu, California. So the listing for this is actually quite funny, if I do say so myself. It's hosted by Ken, and the description says this. Welcome to my Kendom. <laughs> While Barbie's away, she has handed over the keys to her Malibu dream house this summer, and my room could be yours for the night. Now, guests can live it up Ken style for a neon night in Barbie land, six-pack not included. May I ask <laughs> what part was funny? <laughs> is it the six-pack not included? I think it's the – so I actually cut out the middle section that kind of lagged for me. Okay. The six-pack so, so was this the is end. Real, these are real shiny lines. <laughs> six-pack was my favourite. Okay. So, so fair. But I did find it kind of amazing where at the publicity around this house was like, oh, my God, a Barbie dream house has just, like, turned up in California. Did you guys also know that there's a television show coming? No. no. So it's hosted by Ashley Graham and it's called Barbie Dreamhouse Challenge on HGTV. And according to Ad Age, essentially what it is, is a lot of HGTV talent will come together and renovate a house Barbie style, sort of like the block, room by room oh in like a Barbie style. And then someone can win a stay there. And this is separate to the other dream house that's listed on Airbnb. I think that's very cool. Dare I say it's OTT? I think having two dream houses. (laughs) (laughs) But I still think it's like pretty amazing because I honestly look at this and I think I cannot remember more buzz for a film. And we were talking in the office the other day about Margot Robbie and Greta Gerwig being interviewed on the project. And a couple of the people in the team said Greta Gerwig did make a point to say, well, you know, Marvel films do do this very Mm. often. And it's true. They very likely have a similar marketing budget. But I feel like the Barbie movie at the very least has hit its demo very well because Mm. it's all anyone my age seems to be talking about. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. And like, as a Marvel fan, I agree those marketing budgets are probably huge, but this Barbie one has like pierced our world in a way that I don't think Marvel has. Like, I'm a fan and I don't think I've ever been targeted like this before by marketing. Well, I also saw something in LinkedIn where the Barbie campaign had produced billboards that actually had nothing on them. It was just the Barbie pink. So, like, a blank billboard covered in Barbie pink and then in the corner was this tiny bit of writing that just said July 21. Mm. It's so head back but brilliant. And that's such a perfect time for that billboard to come in because at this point we – all know so much about Barbie. Yeah, we know exactly. when it's coming out. They actually don't need to do anything else. It's such a flex. I mean, of course we know the budget for the film itself was reported to be about $100 million. For what it's worth, marketing comes out of a totally 
different budget, completely different budget. I read this piece in The Hollywood Reporter. Now, this was last year coming into the American summer about the summer movies that were coming out. And they wrote, don't be surprised if studios set aside $150 million or more on global marketing spend for the biggest titles. Summer event films like Elvis, Nope and Bullet Train will likely have sizable global marketing budgets of $75 million or more. If Nope and Bullet Train had $75 million budgets... I don't know what those films are. <laughs> so truthfully, what is this Barbie marketing budget? Yeah, I didn't know that it was a separate budget. I read that the film had that $100 million budget and I was like, oh, surely the marketing one just comes in on that. But no, no it's totally separate. Completely separate. And in this case, I would say probably bigger than the film's budget itself. Also, when you're talking about figures this big, they kind of lose all, mm, you lose all sense yeah. of like what you can get for that amount of money because who's actually operating with budgets this big? But I am really, really impressed by the specificity and creation behind this campaign. It's really, really amazing. Yeah, and I do think the huge marketing budget is probably worth it because it's all anyone is talking talk about, about right now. Yeah. Our second story, singer Kelsey Bellarini leaves stage concert after being hit in the face with flying object that is from news.com.au. Kelsey Bellarini is the latest musician to have something flung at her while performing. So this has actually been happening to a handful of performers recently. And I just cannot fathom how this has been so prevalent recently. Yeah. We've been talking about when to talk about it over the last few weeks. But I think with this Kelsey Bellarini story, it's now so many musicians in a row that were like, there's some strange trend here and I have that in inverted commas that we have to acknowledge should we talk about the Kelsey Bellarini example because as she was singing someone in the crowd threw in a bracelet that hit her square in the face it looked like it hurt a lot like she pulled back straight away she sort of turned around and regained her composure and told the crowd, can we just talk about what happened? All I care about is keeping everyone safe. If you don't ever feel safe, please let someone know around you. If anyone's pushing too much or you have that gut feeling, just always flag it. Don't throw things, you know. Yeah. And then on Thursday morning, Kelsey said on her Instagram stories, hi, I'm fine. Someone threw a bracelet. It hit me in the eye and it more so just scared me than hurt me. We all have triggers and layers of fear way deeper than what is shown that's why I walked off stage to calm down and make sure myself, band and crew and the crowd all felt safe. So the triggers and layers of fear Kelsey is referring to here is the PTSD she's been open about still experiencing after witnessing one of her peers pass away during a school shooting. This is what I find so hard to stomach is that example is so awful and the fact that Kelsey does have that experience is so awful but I can imagine even not having that background of that trauma if you're on stage in front of a large group of people security is probably always front of mind when someone's flinging something at you and you're hit unexpectedly I can't imagine where your mind would go and how unsafe you would feel even when it's just a bracelet you add the layer of what Kelsey has been through and I am surprised she got back on stage yes and also she articulated what she wanted to communicate so calmly. That is honestly incredible. It's so exposing being there on stage. And it's so, as I said, unfathomable for us to even be talking about this, to be like, hey, crowds, have some etiquette. Like it's common decency. Well, as a lot of our listeners might've known, last month, BB Rexar was one of the key examples of having this happen to her. She had a phone thrown at her eye and she was escorted off stage. She was taken to hospital. She got stitches. And the man who threw the phone at her was charged with assault. 
she had a black eye like weeks after mm. this happened. She was like really severely injured. She also looked really taken off guard and troubled naturally by what had happened. Days after the BB Rexa thing happened, Ava Max had a fan interrupt her on stage and slap her. So it wasn't an object thrown, but you clearly have fans wanting to assault the people that they're coming to watch. Yeah, and crossing a line majorly. And then last week, Pink had a bag of someone's mother's ashes thrown at her while performing. In response to this, Pink can be heard saying in a video of the incident, is this your mum? I don't know how I feel about this. The next day, she also had a fan offer her a wheel of brie cheese, which is actually just a sidebar to this conversation because Pink seemed to love that one. (laughs) (laughs) It's just been a weird, bizarre time. Yeah, 1000%. I mean, Lil Nas X as well was seen over the weekend dodging a flying sex toy at Lollapalooza in Sweden. I know we were speaking the other day, Annabelle, in the office about how when Harry Styles was touring, he got thrown a bra or something. And again, it didn't hit him and it didn't hurt him. But he also looked like awkward and uncomfortable about it. But if we're going back to some of these bracelets, phones, things that have actually been targeting and hurting these musicians, again, like you said, it feels absurd to say, why is anybody doing this? But my biggest fear right now is acknowledging this as, as I said, a quote unquote trend and there being this subset of people who keep doing it because it's what we're talking about. And I think that's what I've been worried about raising it. Mm. Not that people listening to this show will do that. But the more you talk about something, it sometimes feels like a self-fulfilling prophecy and it reminds people that other people have done it and they might do it too. But obviously we can't ignore that this is happening either. Yeah. And I'm mainly just interested not to be all like uni student about it, but I am interested in like the psychology behind it. What are you trying to do? Yeah. Is it the fact that you feel so close to this person and it's like your classic parasocial relationship gone too far or you're trying to get their attention? I think it's an attention point, but regardless, none of it makes sense to me and it's got to stop. Coming up after the break, why is Blake Lively facing backlash over the release of her new Betty Boo's cocktails? And then we unpack the most perfectly timed mailbag. But first, a word from today's sponsor. Our third story. Blake Lively's new business venture is being slammed as a total cash grab, and here's why. That is from Pedestrian. Well, Blake Lively has announced the release of her new cocktails, Betty Booze, which are made with sparkling bourbon and sparkling tequila. Sounds relatively innocuous, but apparently not, actually. (laughs) Apparently not at all. (laughs) Sparkling bourbon and sparkling tequila. Sounds quite like a fruity sort of alcohol. Sounds delicious to me. Hooray. No, the announcement has certainly sparked backlash because Blake Lively does not drink alcohol. So in announcing the news, it was kind of interesting. She acknowledged that she didn't drink but sort of explained why she wanted to launch the alcoholic drinks anyway she wrote drinking isn't my thing but for fuck's sake flavor is homemade recipes real fruit real ingredients quality booze no crap also a real time saver which is why I really did it a bit of context here before we give you a few more details. The launch of Betty Booze comes two years after Blake Lively launched Betty Buzz, which was her line of sparkling non-alcoholic mixes. So when she launched Betty Buzz, it was like, oh, I don't drink. But 
mixes are really important. And now she's launched the alcoholic line. So in another post announcing the news, she wrote, Betty Buzz is good for all ages and preferences, zero alcohol. Betty Booze for those who want the alcohol because that's what hosts do. We make something for everyone and not usually ourselves. Wait, I'm describing mums now. (laughs) Yeah, now just some added context. When she launched Betty Buzz in 2021, she explained it a little bit more and said this. I don't drink. I know that's odd coming from the wife of an infamous gin slinger. I didn't actually know she was a gin slinger. (laughs) Okay, interesting. (laughs) Over the past many years of mixing but not drinking cocktails, it became clear mixers are the unsung heroes of the drink world and deserve just as much love as alcohol. So there's lots going on here, right? What I found interesting context is that statement you just read out from Blake when she launched Betty Buzz was actually on the website for ages saying I don't drink I know that's odd coming from the wife of an infamous gin slinger that's off the website now that Mm -hmm. the alcoholic drinks are out there I think it's probably worth reading you some of the comments on her post that had like thousands of likes because it might give you a sense of what the sentiment has been people largely the loud people anyway at the top of her comment section have not been happy the top comment was how can you market and create a product you don't openly consume yourself that had 1100 likes the next top comment was what a confusing way to promote your alcohol by saying drinking isn't your thing Hmm. i'm interested do you think this is fair or do you care at all I actually, top line, don't really care. I then, second line under that, think that it is unfair. It makes sense as a business to want to expand and to reach more of an audience. Yeah, like if you're already in the mixers line, it does. it's a natural step to go into the alcoholic line. And I feel like anyone would do that. People are just going harder at Blake Lively because she's Blake Lively. And yeah, it was kind of silly maybe to put her own personal experience and attach that to the original non-alcoholic line. But hey, people make mistakes and this isn't the worst thing in the world. No, it's so funny because when I saw this story, I was like, oh, I don't have outrage in me. But I also always ask myself that when I'm like tired and burnt out. It's like, would I have outrage for much right now? Because like, I just don't care. Anyone do whatever you want. But I did have to really think critically about this because it's like, is it the best look? No. Do I think it's the end of the world? Also, no. Am I losing any sleep over it? No. Do I think the drinks would probably taste good even though she doesn't drink? Probably yes. And I sat with this idea of like, can you sell something and be the face of something if you won't actively taste it yourself? And I came to this conclusion that, yes, I would prefer you to probably know that the product you're selling is good. But I think it ignores the fact that there are hundreds of people probably behind this brand Mm. who would be taste testing it. Like, what does she owe people with a brand like this one? I would say probably something that tastes okay and is a solid product just because she might not know that herself. Can she trust the people and advisors around her to tell her it's good? Yeah. And isn't that essentially what a lot of celebrity-led brands do? They have the face and then they have a whole team behind them. Like, come on, we're not idiots. No, I think that's also true. Like, you made a comment yesterday where you said, maybe my bar for celebrity brands is just kind of low. (laughs) I don't care that much. And I think that's also true. Again, of course, I would prefer her to drink alcohol and sell stuff she actually loves. I would prefer that all the time. But I just, I can't lie and say, (laughs) I care that much about 
about this. And I also probably won't be drinking this drink, let's be honest. So uh, <laughs> let them be. Will I? I might try a sparkling tequila, but I don't even know if they're sold in Australia. So we'll see. <laughs> Our fourth story. Colleen Ballinger writes song to respond to accusing fans. That is from BBC. Just before we jump into this one, I will do a quick trigger warning at the top because we will discuss allegations once again of grooming and inappropriate relationships with kids so I want to put that out there before we start there have been a lot more Colleen Ballinger headlines in the last week or so and it would appear that we have lots to update you on since we last spoke about the controversies enveloping the YouTube star that is commonly known as Miranda Sings if you do want a bit more context on those early allegations listen to our episode that we released on June 22 we've got quite a bit of detail in there what we're going to do today is update you on the stuff that kind of happened in the last week or so as a really quick recap a lot of our listeners might remember that Miranda Singh slash Colleen Ballinger faced a barrage of allegations that she acted inappropriately with mostly teenage fans in the early years of her career most of these accusations were leveled on social media and then Annabelle last week Rolling Stone released a report, didn't they? Yes, that extrapolated on a lot of those accusations, alleging that when she was in her early career, she was regularly interacting with kids in inappropriate ways. That same day, Colleen addressed the accusations on YouTube, but in quite an unconventional way, Zara. She wrote a song and she played it on her ukulele. Yeah, it's certainly unlike anything I've actually genuinely ever seen. And mm. I feel like now doing Scandal for a while, I feel like we've seen every YouTuber mm. quote-unquote apology under the sun. I would say this is beyond anything I've seen. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah. Yes, and so clearly unadvised. Like she's so clearly wet against what her team was telling mm. her to do. Well, she Com- announces it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So she opened the video saying, I've been wanting to come online and talk to you about a few things, even though my team has strongly advised me not to say what I want to say. I recently realised they never said I couldn't sing what I wanted to say. So now while strumming the ukulele, Ballinger sang and compared the accusations to a toxic gossip train headed for manipulation station as, and I quote, the rest of the internet ties her to the tracks and harasses her for her past. It's important to note she denied the allegations levelled at her and said she is not a groomer but just a loser. Yeah, it was like a train wreck the entire time that you can't look away from. Look, we can't reiterate enough that Colleen does deny the allegations, but all of that aside, when was a song ever going to find her in public favour? Yeah, I think it's that. Like, as you say, you've got these a whole bulk of allegations from young people or people who were really young and say that they were kind of interacting with her and you've got her denial. But if you are in the public eye... I am just wondering at what point Colleen thought to herself, this will work. Like I will write a song and explain myself and it will work because as much as a lot of the things she was saying were quite serious in the lyrics, it feels like quite a disrespectful thing to do about such a serious conversation. Yeah. And a song that kind of pretty much the entire time positioned herself as the person that was being maybe misunderstood is what I was getting from it anyway. 
Two days later, Colleen's ex-husband, Joshua David Evans, who may also be known as Joshua D TV from back mm. in those YouTuber days, he responded to allegations, siding with those who say Ballinger exploited them and was inappropriate with them as kids. He said, anyone feeling hurt and gaslit right now, my message to you is this. Your experiences were real. The proof is there. Your trauma should be taken seriously. The proof is there. Your anger is justified. The proof is there. You deserve better. Take your power back. Sending you love. He also added, this behavior was my reality anytime I spoke up and disagreed with her actions and rhetoric during 2009 to 2016. I was gaslit too. I was made to feel like I was always the problem. Any pain I felt was an inconvenience and was belittled. Every ounce of what you're feeling, I understand. Yeah, and then on Sunday, a former colleague of Colleen's wrote a blog post of their time working together. So in her newsletter, You Owe Me an Apology, writer April Corto Kyo, who has, for context, worked on Brooklyn Nine-Nine and the Apple TV show Loot, said she was a former writer's assistant on Colleen's Netflix show Haters Back Off. Now, in that piece, she alleges hearing Ballinger use a racial slur. She also recalls Colleen wanting to limit the number of non white extras in the show out of concerns they would and I quote be distracting yeah April also alleged that Ballinger would push for her writers to include storylines that involved Miranda and her uncle being and I quote caught in compromising positions or stomach churning moments of intimacy that could always be easily explained away by a clueless Miranda. Now, again, Colleen has not responded to these specific allegations. Yeah, exactly. And then I think the final thing that's also popped up regarding this story are the headlines around Trisha Paytas. I don't know if you guys have seen them, but she also, YouTuber Trisha Paytas, has also weighed in on these allegations. Now, she has published a 21-minute video, and you might be wondering, well, why is Trisha Paytas entering the chat with a 21-minute video? Of course, Trisha and Colleen have a podcast together. So Trisha has come out and said, I don't stand by Colleen. She also has acknowledged allegations that other people raised, young people raised, that said that Colleen had actually sent Trisha Paytas's OnlyFans photos to young fans without Trisha's permission. Now, Trisha came out and said she was only learning of any of this now. So there is a lot going on here, and I doubt that's the last time we're hearing of this story. Yeah. Our fifth story. Exclusive. Kyle Richards and Mauricio Umansky have separated after 27 years of marriage. That is from People Magazine. Alrighty. So look, this was this. Let's all be honest here. <laughs> let's, put our, let's put our cards on the table. This was the story that Michelle was born for. We all have some, <laughs> some celebrity stories that we're really good at and some celebrity stories we're not as good at. I, I think it's fair to say that this is not our strength. Yep. But we have done everything we can to bring you this story because the thing about this story is we have like some people in our office who are obsessed. Shout out to Ree and Nikita. I mean, we actually should credit them for prepping this side by side with us for being in the trenches with us back checking all of our research now let's give you the background of the story because if you are like us and you've never really watched Real Housewives and you've seen the drama of this story around then we can kind of help you unpack what's going on so after 27 years of marriage the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills star Kyle Richards and her husband Mauricio have reportedly split now these two have been together clearly for a very long time. They've got three kids together. Kyle has been on Real Housewives since 2010. She actually is Paris Hilton's auntie. Her oh. sister is Kathy Hilton. And Mo is the founder and CEO of a billion-dollar brokerage firm, according to his website. <laughs> what, what we'll do here is we might step back and give you some context because rumours about the state of their marriage have been milling around on TikTok 
pretty wildly over the last few weeks. People were kind of saying something is up, something's not right. And it all kind of hit fever pitch this week, Annabelle. Yes. So over the last few weeks, not only have fans speculated that the couple had split, they were also wondering whether Kyle had already moved on with country music star Morgan Wade. So Morgan has appeared a lot recently on Kyle's Instagram, and the two women have been pretty close since meeting last year with Richards, even going as Wade's date to the American Music Awards in September 2022. So a lot of people are looking at this and saying, is there more going on? Then we had an Instagram user under the handle FaceReality16 who had a theory about this potential relationship, pointing out that these two have been wearing matching sort of silver bands. She also shared a side-by-side photo of Morgan and Kyle with what looked to be matching heart tattoos. Kyle's heart tattoo was located on her wrist while Morgan's is on her hand. People started to get interested. Then our Housewives expert and campaign exec at Shameless, Nikita, told me, sat me down and said, look, it was all of this going on. Then over the weekend, Kyle Richards and Mo went to a wedding and people were really looking to see if they were posting each other on Instagram. They were clearly sitting next to each other at the wedding, but it was very unlike them that they didn't post a photo together. They were Mm. in photos, but they weren't next to each other and they didn't post a couple photo. And Nikita was like to me, I know that sounds ridiculous. Any other couple, you'd be like, whatever, who cares? It's not a big deal. But she was like, trust me on this one. It was a big deal. (laughs) And this is why things have kicked off. So then on Tuesday morning, Australia time, people came in with the news that these two had split. And again, I think what I had certainly underestimated with this story is how how much people loved these two as a couple and why this was such a big deal. A source told People magazine, Kyle and Mo have been separated for a while now but are still living under the same roof. They remain amicable as they figure out what's next for them and their family. Now, as far as I'm concerned working in this industry, People is about as legitimate as it gets when they come out with an announcement i would say it is very 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 likely that the sources come straight from one of their camps like it's come Mm. straight from kyle or mo or someone there they're not marking an article as exclusive without thinking that they're really on the money here which is why it kind of gets a little confusing, Annabelle, when you consider that hours later they released a joint statement. I was definitely confused, that is for sure. So here is what they said. In regards to the news that came out about us today, any claims regarding us divorcing are untrue. However, yes, we have had a rough year, the most challenging one of our marriage, but we both love and respect each other tremendously. There has been no wrongdoing on anyone's part. Although we are in the public eye, we ask to be able to work through parishes privately. While it might be entertaining to speculate, please do not create false stories to fit a further salacious narrative. Yeah. I mean, part of me is confused and then part of me wonders if that is still actually backing up what people have said. People Magazine didn't say that Morgan Wade and Kyle Richards were together. They have said that they've separated but are still working it out, which is essentially what Kyle Richards says as well. Yeah. I was just under the impression that maybe they're taking like a slight brief Brief. break. Yes, I agree with that, which is why I was slightly confused. Now, you guys might be wondering, okay, well, if you aren't the experts in this, why? (laughs) Why are you the ones telling us about the story? And look, dear 
listeners as if, <laughs> as if I wouldn't get Michelle to call the show <laughs> about this to get her, her thoughts on it. I was messaging her this week and I said, look, I know you're probably living through this story. Would you like to give us your thoughts? I said, say anything you want. And she said, ask me some questions and I'll answer them <laughs> and play it on the show. So I said to Michelle, first question, did you see this coming? This is what our other housewives expert had to say. Hello, hello. Okay, well, first things first, devastated that this news broke (laughs) while I am taking a few weeks off the podcast. I feel like I was born to talk about this. Did I see this coming? Well, a lot of Bravo (laughs) slash Housewives fans will know that there have been rumours about Kyle and Mo splitting for a long time. There have also been whispers about maybe them having a wandering eye or them having infidelity issues but none of that's ever been confirmed I think the saddest thing about all of this is that Kyle and Mauricio had that marriage or appeared to have that marriage when the show started that everyone wanted they seemed to be like best friends and everyone fell in love with them because they were also the least rich (laughs) if that makes sense so they were the most approachable and the most endearing so if you would ask me 10 years ago no this year yes I could see it coming can we have a moment for the fact she's so clearly by the beach to drink this? Yeah. And it's also, I have no doubt that was her first take. Like yeah. she was like just ready to know what she had to say. No, I love it. And Mitch was probably like, we're on holiday. Why are you doing this? <laughs> okay. So the second and final question we said is, do you think they'll get back together? Or do you think they've actually split? Like, what do you think is going to happen here? And this is what she had to say. Again, keep your ears out for the, the water that's paid out while she's on holiday. Do I think they will stay together or actually split? I think they probably will actually split. I think as their profiles have gotten bigger and bigger, they've been pulled further and further apart. And I think viewers have seen that. And so, no, I think this is probably the natural progression that, yes, they will eventually split for good. I also want to say as well, there was an episode of Housewives ages ago where a psychic predicted this. And Kyle got really upset. And I think a lot of diehard fans are now talking about that psychic prediction being eerily accurate. (laughs) I won't lie to you for a moment there. I kind of zoned out and just started listening to the sounds in the background. And I was like, it's like I'm in Greece. (laughs) Take me back. (laughs) That is all for the quick and dirty. Thank you so much. (laughs) Hmm. You've got mail. Yes. Those are very powerful words. As you just heard from that lovely sound effect, missed you sound effect. (laughs) We are doing shameless mailbag. Sahani, could you please read it out for us? Absolutely. So this mailbag is from Anna. Okay, let me start with this. I am a huge Taylor Swift fan. I managed to get tickets to her concert with a friend. However, in my panic, I accidentally bought four tickets in two different areas when I only actually needed two tickets. Long story short, I now have two extra tickets I want to sell at face value to a friend or someone I know who really wants to go and is a massive Swifty. Last week, I texted one of my best friends, let's call her Chloe, and asked if one of her friends, who I know is a really, really big Swifty, had tickets yet. Chloe replied and said she didn't know, but that she would ask and if she didn't have tickets yet, she would go with her. Presumptuous much? (laughs) I love that one. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) That friend ultimately decided she couldn't make it work with already scheduled commitments. So then Chloe just told me she'd take both tickets and have her husband go with her. (laughs) (laughs) 
This irks me because I never asked Chloe if she wanted the tickets when I texted her. I asked about her friend and she just took it and ran with it. Also, I do have another friend who is a really big fan too. And I told Chloe I would have given them to this friend if her friend didn't work out. To add to the situation, Chloe and her husband got married last month. Nothing seems to phase them money-wise, as her parents footed a lot of the wedding bill. They are now going to spend over $1,000 on an artist neither of them are big fans of. It's none of my business what their finances are like, but I never fathom spending that much on an artist I know barely half the set list of. <laughs> <laughs> Can't say that without laughing. For context, she hasn't fully listened to Midnight's and doesn't care for folklore or Evermore. It's not like I am out of pocket or anything because she is paying me for them, but I wanted the tickets to go to someone who wanted them and was trying as hard as me to get them. Am I just projecting? And slightly jealous her parents paid for the wedding while they get to live and travel without financial consequences? Am I being overdramatic? Uh, Hi. <laughs> we haven't done a mailbag in a long time namely because it's like i want to do mostly celebrity with these episodes this has crossed over two of my great months <laughs> a mailbag and a very very relevant taylor swift one because all anyone in the last week has been talking about has been getting taylor swift tickets yes yep. and i do think a lot of the themes raised in this mailbag <laughs> are conversations that people have had amongst themselves and this mailbag is also slightly giving everybody has a secret and yes. hey i'm here for a reason exactly <laughs> This is what you're really, really good at. Where do you want to start? I want to start with, I think, my lesser opinion of my two opinions because I have many thoughts okay. and they're kind of conflicting. So you start with your weak one, not your yeah. stronger. My weak one that I don't feel like my heart actually lies in is the fact that there are a separate set of rules in play when it comes to buying tickets for Taylor Swift. Unspoken, but I think a lot of like Swifties and Taylor Swift fans are kind of aware there is like etiquette involved. As we all experienced last week over the course of days, it is not easy to get your hands on Taylor tickets. So assuming one is yours, I think is a big no-no. But what if someone's coming to you saying, hey, I've got two extra tickets. Does your friend who's a massive Swifty want them? I would say, yeah, my friend who's a massive Swifty wants them, but so do I. Yeah. I like it's not outrageous that this friend Chloe has thought that maybe she was also part of this too. Yeah, so I think Anna left too much grey area and I don't think Chloe meant any harm by assuming. I think she just accidentally assumed that the ticket was hers. Well, I think what's quite funny about this is anyone who didn't try to get tickets last week, and I honestly spent, I reckon, Monday two hours, Wednesday four hours, Friday four hours. Like, <laughs> yeah. just like a, and a lot of people did that. Anyone who didn't have that experience probably doesn't understand and probably think a mailbag like this one is like kind of nuts, right? Mm. But anyone who hasn't been in it probably doesn't get why the stakes on tickets like this do feel slightly different. Yeah. And I understand if you do have extra tickets, knowing how hard they were to get and how many people who adore Taylor Swift missed out, that you want it to go to someone who will appreciate how amazing and how hard fought these tickets were. I understand that. Yeah, and I do understand the feeling, I guess, if you have tried for hours and hours and hours to buy these tickets. I understand maybe the frustration if they end up going to someone who didn't try at all. Yes. But again, I think with stuff like this, my overriding question is, was there ill intent? I don't think Chloe meant any harm. I don't think she was trying to like steal these tickets <laughs> yeah. from you. She honestly just misunderstood what you were offering. And I think that that's totally fine. Yeah. And it reminds me when I had, I had a couple of spare tickets to the Grand Prix at the start of this year. And I remember thinking, okay, they're pretty good tickets. I really want to give them to people who 
I know will love them and have like the best time on the day. And so I was asking my friends who were like obsessed with the Grand Prix first and they did end up in the hands of people who loved the Grand Prix, but it wouldn't have been the end of my world if I didn't get there. That was just sort of the priority. Mm -hmm. But if it wasn't the outcome, I think I would have survived. And I think that's probably the best way to go about this. That said, I do think it's really worth unpacking why the stakes feel so different for tickets like this because we have had so many conversations in the office amongst ourselves about like, is it fair to be annoyed if someone gets tickets to like two concerts in Sydney and two in Melbourne? Like, should they leave room for somebody else? Or is it just like, is that just a really silly way to look at it? And I honestly have kind of oscillated between so many sides of this debate, but I think I have to settle in my heart on the idea that I do think it's fine for someone like Chloe to go to the concert and have a good time and bop around to songs she knows are good when she might not know the words to all of them. And I know people might be shouting at me right now, (laughs) but I do kind of think like it's not the end of the world. Of course, it would be better if she was a massive, massive fan. But I wonder if we've tried to extrapolate too much meaning. Yeah, and we cannot emphasize enough as well how sad it is for the really diehard fans who didn't get tickets. But I don't think that means we can place blame then on the people who did get tickets and maybe aren't as big of a fan as you. That doesn't mean that they're not going to enjoy the night. I think that like so much is happening right now and I want to say something that I'm actually kind of scared to say because I'll probably get cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes I kind of dislike the ruthlessness that comes out of some people in certain fandoms like this in that, It's like this like hierarchy mentality thing where people put others down for not liking something or someone as much as they do. Yes. And it's like, I completely agree with you. And I've seen a little bit rolling around with this in that, like, if you can't do X, Y, and Z, you shouldn't be buying these tickets. And it's like, I've, I've been trying to think about it because I think it says a lot about how strong the parasocial relationship a lot of us have with Taylor Swift and how for so many people it's not just a parasocial relationship but it's a relationship to her that feels very personal. Like she is very good at cultivating relationships mm-hmm. with her fans like that. And I think when she's writing songs that feel like she's writing about your life, it does feel really personal and I think a lot of people feel like they have more right to those songs than others because it's like, no, but she's been writing these songs about my life for 10 to 15 years and mm. she's meant so much to me and I think that's so completely valid. Mm. I totally understand that. I think we all have that with certain songs and certain musicians where it does mean a lot to you and you do feel very emotional. That said, how in the world can you rank yeah. who has a better relationship mm. than anybody else? Yeah, It's so funny you say this because I always find that when I'm really tired or coming close to holidays, I get like, more anxious like my anxiety just like really peaks and I felt my anxiety has been really strange in the last week and I was saying to my partner like very earnestly after I got these tickets if I miss sing a word to one of these songs when I'm at the concert and someone might film me I might get cancelled and he looked at me and he was like Sarah that's like completely insane if you sing that one wrong word it's fine and I was like no you don't understand it feels like I need to like own this seat and make sure I like do the seat justice and my anxiety just went wild with it no I'm totally with you I think it's it's a mixture of being close to the break and also the power of the Swifty fandom because honestly this mailbag maybe hit close to home for me because I love Taylor Swift but honestly Evermore and Midnight's are the albums that I've listened to the least but also you're allowed to have albums you don't love as much as the others yeah but when I when I got my hands on these tickets I was like well I gotta start learning (laughs) (laughs) what will be watching yeah I think it's it's so fair and yet 
I also saw a commentary around to be like, if you've never been to a Taylor Swift concert before, why are you suddenly wanting to go to this one? It's bandwagon thing. So other people say, I couldn't afford to go back in the day. Like this yeah. is the first time in my life that I've had disposable income and I'm able to go. I think it speaks pretty amazingly, as I said, to what Taylor Swift has been able to create, that people feel so invested in this relationship and feel so invested in wanting to be there. That said, I don't think it's fair for us to have some ranking system. I think it's physically impossible to rank who's a bigger fan or who has more of a personal connection Mm. to a pop star that none of us have actually met. Going back to the top, of course, to say again, it would be better maybe if Chloe said, maybe they should go to someone who's like really obsessed with Taylor Swift. But I also wouldn't be surprised if Chloe just didn't know that this was what was going on. Yeah. Like if you're not talking about it all the time with other Taylor Swift fans, I wouldn't be surprised if people outside of it didn't think that this was just like... Surely everyone knows. It's on the news. But maybe like <laughs> the depth of sort of emotion that people feel about it. Yeah, and the obsession, because I will say I was very... Last week I was wrapped in this obsession of like tickets, tickets, tickets. It's all I could think about. And mm. like that extent of obsession, I don't think some people anyway were onto. I also think the one part of this mailbag that we haven't acknowledged as well is the fact that Anna randomly included the fact that I do think it's really important to note about the fact that Chloe and her husband got married last month and nothing seems to phase them money wise because when that came in I was like wow this is sort of like a random tidbit that's been included here that doesn't feel relevant but clearly it's completely relevant like in fact I would say maybe this is like the most important point because I, I wonder if you're someone like Anna and you're looking at your friend like Chloe and you're like, everything comes easy to you. Mm. Everything comes easy. Your wedding just got paid for. You can travel and do whatever you want and never have to stress about money. Like, this is my thing. And it was so lucky that I was able to get these tickets. This is my identifier. And this should have been the thing that came easy to me, mm. not you. And I wonder if it has far more to do with that than anything else. Because if this was a different friend who maybe wasn't as big of a fan, but you didn't have pre-existing, I don't know if jealousy is the right word, maybe jealousy or emotion to work through. I don't think this would be as big of an issue in your mind. Yeah. And clearly this tendency to compare in this friendship is quite prevalent. Yeah. And that was really clear throughout this whole mailbag was that there's something probably going on in this particular friendship that is causing so much stress and like again to Anna we're not placing blame on you. No I think it's completely valid and I think that's why I wanted to include it in the episode and so did you because I've been hearing these conversations around so many people Mm. like this is not an anomaly in fact this is the most common kind of predicament that I'm hearing in the last week so it's so so understandable that Anna would be feeling like this it's probably just worth unpacking what else is going on and it's also so interesting that something so like relatively innocuous as buying Taylor Swift tickets can cause these emotions that people don't expect yeah 100% so honey wasn't it you that posted (laughs) in our Slack channel this morning like a New York Times explainer (laughs) on the ethics of how to split Taylor Swift together. Yeah, the New York Times ethicist, he like did a piece because out of four friends, only two of them could get tickets and how to split that between four friends ethically. Like honestly, another thing that I'm hearing quite a lot. So it's yeah. clearly on people's mind. I cannot wait to hear what people think about this on Your Say Friday because I know everybody will have an opinion. I can't wait for both of us to get cancelled over this <laughs> as well. Like, what a way to go though. <laughs> We're on a break next week. Yeah, so. <laughs> what a way to go. Guys, we will be officially back in your ears. I'm actually just getting my calendar up so I know. On August 3, that will be our first episode back. However, we have have scandals pre-recorded that will drop for you on the Mondays. We, of course, have Shane Moore, our subscription arm of Shameless. Our bonus episode will drop, as always, in the middle of the month. And then what I would say, and then I hinted to this last week or the week before, 
keep your eye on book club specifically around end of next week with book club because we have lots coming we certainly do and i'm so so excited about it you can also find us on socials we are on instagram at shameless podcast and also tiktok at that very same handle. Uh, it's actually not the same handle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really just winging it's it. Shameless <laughs> underscore podcast. Sahani, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. Annabelle, thanks for filling in for Michelle's seat. See you in August, guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs> See ya. Shameless Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.